Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. Today we feature John Stott. Whether in the West or in the Third World, a hallmark of Stott's ministry has been expository preaching that addresses not only the hearts, but also the minds of contemporary men and women. When Stott speaks, he has a voice that is friendly, courteous, and natural. It is humble and self-critical, but also confident, joyful, and optimistic. Stott's mission is to pierce through all the incrustation and share direct contact with Jesus. Stott says that the central message of the gospel is not the teachings of Jesus, but Jesus himself, the human, divine figure. He is always bringing people back to the concrete reality of Jesus' life and sacrifice. Today, John Stott presents a talk on Christian freedom. This is the second of a series of talks on the subject of Christian freedom. Perhaps I could spend a few moments recapitulating with regard to the first address. I began by emphasizing that Christian freedom is fundamentally positive and not negative as a concept. That is to say, it has to be defined in terms of what we are free for, not in terms of what we are free from. True freedom is freedom to be one's true self. God alone, the Creator, enjoys perfect freedom because He alone is invariably Himself. He never denies Himself. God's creatures are free only when they fulfill their Creator's purpose for them. Thus we saw a fish is free when it's in its element, water, to be confined in water for a fish is not prison, but liberty. We humans are free when we're in our element, which is love, love for God, love for our neighbor. Self-centeredness for a human being is a prison. To love God and others, forgetting oneself, is to enjoy liberty. So Christian freedom is the liberty of the children of God. The freedom of being his child, living in his family, under his fatherhood. I went on to suggest that this Christian freedom, freedom for God as his children, presupposes freedom from all those t tyrannies which prevent us from being what God made us and meant us to be. We began last time with freedom from the condemnation of God. True, this is not a tyranny, because his condemnation is a just judgment and not an unjust one. Nevertheless, it is a bondage, as Paul argues in Galatians. It's impossible to be a child of God if I'm still under the judgment of God. I am not free to be his child until I've been set free from sin and guilt. That's where we began. There's no freedom without forgiveness. Forgiveness of sin must precede our adoption into the family of God as the children of God. Now I come secondly to the next tyranny from which we must be delivered before we're free to live as the children of God. And this has to do with our relationship to men, not our relationship to God. And I bring you as a text the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 9 and verse 19. It's a very remarkable statement, 1 Corinthians 9 
and verse 19. He writes here, Though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. Here Paul describes his relationships to other people in terms of both freedom and bondage. In one sense, he writes, he is free from all men. In another sense, he has voluntarily made himself their slave. He is free from men because he knows that his final responsibility is not to them, but to God. He's a slave of all men because he has been called to serve them and voluntarily desires to do so. The commonest form which the second tyranny takes is bondage to the opinions of men. If I'm continually preoccupied with what other people are thinking of me and saying about me, I cannot be free to live as God's child seeking to please Him. I'm free to please God only when I'm free from the bondage of trying to please men. And this applies to freedom both of thought and of deed. What is true intellectual freedom? Surely it's deliverance from a slavish conformity to the opinions of men, so that I'm free to believe what God has revealed to be true. And what is true moral freedom? Surely it's deliverance from a slavish conformity to the standards of men, so that I may be free to do what God has revealed to be good and right. In a word, Christian freedom is freedom from human fashion, whether in belief or behavior, and for divine revelation. More simply, it is freedom from men for God. And I'm going to spend the rest of my time today considering with you two examples of this principle, and the first is Jesus Christ. I've already suggested that if any human being has ever been free, Jesus Christ was that person. He enjoyed and exhibited the true freedom of the Son of God, freedom for his Father to be what his Father wanted him to be. He said of himself, I always do what is pleasing to him. That was his freedom. And because Jesus, during the days of his flesh, was so utterly free for God, he was completely free from men, especially from the traditions of men and from the conventions of men. Let's look at those two things. A, his freedom from tradition. This was expressed in the six antitheses of the Sermon on the Mount, recorded at the end of Matthew chapter 5, in which Jesus said, You have heard that it was said by the men of old, but I say unto you something different. Here Jesus was not contradicting the law of Moses, which he believed to be the law of God. He was contradicting the traditions of the elders, which he knew to be the traditions of men. He also told the Pharisees, you make void the word of God by your tradition. 
You see, for centuries the Jewish leaders had been enmeshed in the trammels of their own traditions. Their traditions were, in the words of Jesus, Matthew 23, verse 2, they were heavy burdens, hard to bear. As a result, the Pharisees and the other Jewish leaders were simply not free. They were burdened with their own traditions. But Jesus Christ, with tremendous audacity, swept them all away. Jesus refused to be bound by any human traditions. He was determined to be free for God's word, for the revelation of God that was given in Scripture. And in order to be free for God's word, he freed himself from...